The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is June 15th right now. It is 8.30 p.m. here. We just recorded the bonus episode (laughs) that hopefully you guys already listened to um, because we put in a lot of effort and speaking into it for way longer than we originally (laughs) planned. So I feel like a little deranged and loopy right now. Yeah, a little stir crazy. (laughs) I'm in like a silly, goofy mood. So, Um, And... As a reminder, with this episode and any episode, there is a timestamp if you don't want to hear us chat for 10 minutes at the start, or if we're talking about like a little case update of something you don't care about, there's timestamps for all that in the episode notes. You could just click it or just fast forward to that spot and you'll be right where you want to be. So you don't have to leave us a fresh comment. <laughs> saying get on with it already. <laughs> yeah. I need to just add it to the disclaimer, but I've been lazy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we won't we don't have too much to talk about since we just did that big episode. How is life back at home that you've now returned? <sighs> yeah, we're really in the kind of throes of winter. There was ice on my windscreen today. <laughs> I feel like it's been extra, extra cold. Not doesn't usually get this cold. But anyway, there's heaps of sickness going around at my kids' school. I think they sent out a note that there's RSV, COVID, influenza A and influenza B. <laughs> so I'm just waiting for it to hit us, but we're all good for now. Um, yeah, things are pretty good, pretty standard. Um, one thing that we are dealing with, which is a little bit, getting tricky is our old dog Ralph he's 14 and I am certain he's got dog dementia (laughs) like he just barks at nothing even like and like I know I've googled it and I read that it's because they're kind of confused which I get but even today like he was inside right next to my bed and he's just looking at me and barking and I'm like what I don't know what to do what do I do um so what are you trying to tell me (laughs) if anyone has any tips on dealing with a senior dog like he's still in very good health he's active but he's just doing some unusual things yeah I think it is confusion and he's like loves his little routine like his routine is we let him sleep in our bedroom now because he's old and I want him to feel comfortable and anyway so that's fine but like so we let him out in the morning he goes for a little walk down the road and then all he wants to do is come inside for the rest of the day which is fine but if we're not home you know what I mean like he always was happy staying outside. Um, it's just a bit yeah. of an adjustment period. So we're trying to work out what he needs. Um, it's Yeah, it's sad. I'm just thinking of a cute grandpa dog with his routine. <laughs> he just And he really just has his routine. And I think also too, like his sight is failing. I can tell he's blind and he's pretty deaf um, because like, I'll go right up to him and he doesn't move until I like touch him and then he jumps. He's like, shit, where'd you come Aww. from? Um, but yeah and I know like you know being inside is a comfort for him and that's fine we're doing that as much as we can but there are times when he does need to be outside for an hour or so and um anyway so we're just it's a lot like this morning when he's just looking at me and barking I'm like what I don't know I don't know everything's fine (laughs) poor old thing so if anyone has any tips or what I should be doing let me know because I'm new to this senior dog bit so sad when pets start to get old I hate it yeah it was two years the other day since Baxter died so we had Baxter and Ralph since they were puppies can't believe it's already been two years and then um I just all you know he died quite suddenly 
like he yeah, got sick very quickly and passed away but Ralph is just hanging on which is great <laughs> but 14 years old so I don't even know what that is in dog years like that's a long way something. for yeah. a dog yeah and he's a bigger dog too like he's a lab border collie yeah. so they don't usually I think have that long of a lifespan so I'm sure someone will have some good tips for me <laughs> I was even saying I think I said in an episode um a few episodes ago that I like joke about peep sometimes being senile she's not that old she's nine which is like older but not like old for a cat no, I don't that's think kind of like I don't know a bit older than middle age but not yeah old, yeah but ever since she had her teeth <sighs> pulled she just like does not shut the fuck up ever <laughs> she was bad before and it's funny she actually hasn't meowed much during this podcast she's sleeping she's here though but even at night when when I get home from work actually she meows 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 non-stop i'll have to make a video of it because i have been thinking of more ways i can exploit peep because i've been being like hmm how can i get some excess income <laughs> exploiting my cats may be the answer um when i get home from work she'll just scream at me until i go lay down with her in the bed like i have to lay down with her so i do that and then at night when i go to bed she like gets so excited and it's funny because when i finally get up to go to bed she'll be waiting in the doorway she lets out a more excited scream so instead of like a usual meow this one's like meow <laughs> like she gets excited and she runs to the bed and she jumps at it and then i lay down and she has to like walk around on me on the bed for like three minutes just meowing just meow let's have one down meow, meow. <laughs> walking around meowing nonstop. finally she settles down mike usually like stays up a little later than me and the whole routine has to start again when Mike comes to bed. She like gets re-excited, has to walk around and meow, 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 meow. And we're like, bitch, we've been here all day. Like, what more do you have to tell us? Like, <laughs> what do you want? And then I joke. I'm like, she's senile now. <laughs> but she's just annoying, really. I'll, I'll have to make a video because it's like ridiculous, honestly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess don't really have much else to say since we just talked so much kind of in our post-holiday slump lull post-wedding slump <laughs> yeah um it's even pretty quiet in terms of crime like i made a comment to you the other day that doesn't really seem to be too much nothing going on the delphi yeah stuff i was say maybe next week there might be a big delphi update but at the moment not too much yeah and by the time by intrigued. the time this episode's out we will know anyway if there is oh a yeah oh probably hopefully it will have happened um might be interesting they're gonna unseal some of the stuff with our luck you know when like they put out an affidavit and it's like five pages long and three are fully redacted yeah. and you're just like cool 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 <laughs> thank you yeah i always say this every summer i know it's not officially summer here yet but i swear and this is the opposite of the fact crime goes down in the summer in my opinion or like big newsworthy crazy cases i feel like everyone's just chilling in the summer everyone's yeah. happier there's less crimes or it's like too hot people don't want to go outside <laughs> commit murders abduct people <laughs> they wait till it's a little cooler but the fact is actually that there's like more crime in the summer but i feel like it's more petty, petty crime small things yeah because i i've said this for three summers now for sure of being like there's nothing going on <laughs> So, yeah, if you notice, we've been posting a little not as much because it's a little harder to find stuff to post. But you guys do send us a lot of stuff, which is great. So we, we always post that. Yeah. All right. So we'll get on with it. Um, we are going to talk about the mysterious case of Theo Hayes. 
Um, he went missing in Australia. This one, I've always heard his story, but again, this was, I feel like I say this a good amount, like one that I knew of, but hadn't followed too much. Olivia has known more about it being from yeah, Australia. There's, there's been, like it did get quite a lot of coverage here at the time. And there was a really good podcast called The Lighthouse, which is like a kind of a deep dive podcast if you want to learn more about it. Um, but it has popped up again in the news, which we'll get into why in the last few weeks as well. But yeah, he went missing in May 2019. And as of June 2023, he is still missing. Yeah. Um, it's one of those ones that is very mysterious. There's a lot of random stuff that And there's a happened. lot of unusual kind of Google data as well. Yeah. And so it's one of those ones where people, you can just let your, it sounds like shitty to say, let your, your imagination run wild with what could have happened. But that's why people are always talking about it because there's enough information where you could come up with all different theories, but still not enough information to like narrow down what could have happened. Yeah. If that makes sense. It'll make sense in the end to you. <laughs> Backpackers have been drawn to the beauty of Byron Bay on the New South Wales far north coast for decades. But now this surfing mecca has become synonymous with the baffling and heartbreaking disappearance of Theo Hayes, the 18-year-old from Belgium who mysteriously went missing on a night out three years ago. <laughs> Back in Brussels, his distraught mother, Bassiane Delforge, just wants to know where her beautiful boy is. Do you ever think you will make sense of what happened to Theo? No. I don't understand. It's uh, so impossible for me. This is the last image of Theo as he walks off into the night, never to be seen again. Knowing where now, using critical GPS data collected from Theo's phone, we retrace his confounding steps, minute by minute, by day and by night. It is a different scene by night, isn't it? Yeah. And in both Australia and Belgium, we have a team of experts examining the evidence. The last point, which is at Cozy Corner, but it's really, really dangerous and difficult, especially at night. The police believe Theo died alone and through misadventure by falling off this headland. It's really hard to believe that he decided to climb there at night. But now, an alternative. The case for why Theo's death should be treated as suspicious. I am convinced that he was not lost. I don't believe that he came down here on his own. We will start at the start, get some background info. I told Olivia, I'm sorry if I mess up any of these Australian <laughs> names, but it's For like, once, I finally will probably know most of them. <laughs> I feel like still even in the US, you pronounce some things better than me <laughs> you're more traveled than me so but yeah i do know some because i hear you say them like melbourne is melbourne even though it's spelled melbourne and what was brisbane the other one is, brisbane is yeah, brisbane, brisbane even though it's spelled brisbane Bane, yeah so i i, I know some stuff <laughs> um all right sorry i said i was a little deranged this episode now theo 
He was 18 years old when he went missing. He is originally from Belgium. Um, he disappeared in Australia in Byron Bay. Is that Byron Bay? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> no tricks. <laughs> in Australia in May 2019. Like we said, his disappearance is very puzzling. There's lots of unexplained gaps in his timeline. And recently, this is why it was kind of like in the news again, because a human bone was found in the ocean, kind of near where he disappeared. So that put the case um, on spotlight again because a lot of people are wondering if it could have been him or his bones. When we posted about the bone on our Instagram and like maybe it could be Theo, people were so like, So wow, many people. Yeah, we need an episode about this case. Tell us about this case. So oh, There was just tons of people who knew of the case already because mm. I was – like I said, I'd always known his name and that he was missing and vaguely what happened. But we got so many messages of people being like, oh, my God, maybe it's – it's Theo. Maybe it's Theo. So I was mm. like, all right, we got. I got to learn more about this case. So Theo was born in Belgium in 2000 to his mother, Vincienne Delford, and father, Laurent Hayes. He has a younger brother, Lucas, and a stepsister named Emma. And he also has a cousin named Lisa that he was very close with. They seem to chat a lot. Lisa's been kind of very vocal in this case. So you may, if you ever have followed this case, you may have seen some interviews and comments by Lisa as well. Yeah. Um, Theo's friends described him as friendly, funny, sociable, but not especially loud or outgoing. He was also said to be intelligent and studious. His family described him as fit, confident, and sometimes adventurous, but they also said that he was cautious and responsible. So seems like a, a nice guy. Yeah, friendly enough, but I think just, you know, was quite happy in his own company, you know, not a crazy outgoing guy, but I feel like that's kind of how I am. Like, I'm kind of reserved, but once you get to know me, I'm a little more fun and silly. <laughs> but I definitely am more of an introvert and cautious sometimes. From every, yeah, everything I've read about Theo, he seems kind that he really had really close relationships with his family. Well-mannered, polite. Yeah, yeah, just a nice guy. Yeah. He wasn't like some crazy maniac or anything. No. Theo arrived in Australia in November 2018, and he had a working holiday visa and planned to spend quite a while in Australia. He flew to Melbourne, firstly from Belgium, and he stayed with his godfather there for over a month. By all accounts, Theo was a sensible, smart and curious young man who loved nature. His journey started in Victoria with his devoted godfather, John Philip Pector, fondly known as JP, and wife, Julia Malcolm. What was your reaction when you learned that Theo was coming to Australia to travel, to spend time with his godfather? A lot of joy. I was really happy to show him around and uh, welcome him to our, our home and spend some time with him. It was... really like having a son with us. This treasured travel diary has never been shared before. 
In it, Theo is glowing about Australia. Si c'est juste la beauté des paysages, on peut trouver ça aussi. Donc c'est un peu, c'est un petit mix de tout, j'ai envie de dire. And then between November and May 2019, he did a lot of traveling. He went to Tasmania, Northern Territory, Cairns, and the Barrier Reef. He started making his way down the east coast of Australia from around mid-April. So he was just kind of traveling all around. On May 25th, 2019, Theo had dinner with his cousins in Brisbane, and he stayed with them overnight. On the following day, the 26th of May, he took a bus to the Gold Coast, which is around an hour drive from there. He seemed to have stayed there for a few days until the 29th, and then he took a bus to Byron Bay and checked into a hostel there called Wake Up Hostel at 2.30 p.m. He paid up front for his stay, so he paid up till June 3rd, um, and then he had a bus ticket booked to Sydney for June 3rd and another one booked to go to Melbourne on June 4th. So had plans, things to do, places to be. A little bit about the hostel. It is located at Belangel Beachfront and refurbished in 2018. Wake Up Byron Bay offers modern accommodations with the Bohemian Beach Five of Byron Bay. It features an on-site bar and restaurant and free high-speed Wi-Fi. Um, it also has a wide range of accommodation options, including double and twin rooms with attached bathrooms and suite dormitory rooms with options of eight, six, or four beds and female-only rooms. The property has renovated bathrooms, communal areas with fully air-conditioned rooms, personal bedside lights, power points, and USB ports are included for every bed. So it seems decent. I've been to Byron Bay a lot of times. I've actually been after Theo vanished and I went and had a look kind of a drive and had a look at this hostel because I wasn't familiar with it. So it's kind of located in a quiet area. Byron Bay town itself is busy. There's tons of backpackers like Theo, tons of tourists. It's kind of a weird place because like it's there's a lot of celebrities that live there, like the Hemsworths live there. I think it's- Someone like, said you describe it as pretentious. Well, it, it's funny because a lot of it is pretentious and like I think, I might have this a little bit wrong, but the house price I think is one of the, high, the average house price is one of the highest in Australia. Like a lot of people have kind of moved there to get away. It used to be like a kind of like a area. hippie place. Now it's very- very gentrified but then also there is there's apparently also a massive drug problem in Byron Bay um I believe like meth it's like a weird like there's a whole lot of contradictions there there's heaps of cheap accommodation heaps of tourists and cheap backpackers like Theo and then you get this other side where there's loads and loads of money I feel um, it's kind of like happens at places that are being gentrified and becoming trendy because you still have the remains of the old yeah. town, but then you have like the new wealthier people kind of moving in, trying to kick them all out because it's even similar to where I live. They're building all these really, really expensive apartments, but then right across the river, you have um, like a more dangerous city that has a lot of poverty. Even around here, there's like still places that are like a little more slummy compared to like the million dollar apartments that they're building. So I feel like that's how you get kind of a weird mix like that sometimes. Yeah, so it is unusual. Like, um, w like when I found the hostel where Theo stayed, it's in a very quiet area that's not quite in Byron Bay. Like, you can walk it, but it's not like there are other there is other accommodation in Byron Bay town. He stayed a tiny little bit out. It's quiet, right on the beach. Um, yeah, that's what I had to look. I also had to look at the bar that he went missing from, which is kind of at the 
back end of town, which we can go into once we get to that. But yeah, it was a nice, quiet hostel. I'm assuming, I don't know why he chose it, maybe because it is a little bit quieter. Um, but yeah, seems like a nice place to stay. Yeah. Um, so up until this time, Theo had kept in touch with his family regularly. He spoke to his mother pretty much every day on Facebook Messenger. And it seems that he spent a quiet couple of days in Byron Bay and he didn't seem to interact much with other guests at the hostel. The people in his dorm said that he watched movies on his phone and that he seemed friendly. Just to kind of interject too. So when he went missing was a similar time of year to when we are recording. It was the end of May. So the weather is a little bit cool. It's autumn, almost winter. Um, I probably wouldn't be going swimming at like, like it's a very famous kind of surf beach in summer. I feel like right then it would have been cold, like, you know, people, I'm sure people probably swim, but it wouldn't be very pleasant. So it would have been kind of very cool at night. You'd need a jacket or a jumper, warmish yeah, during not the days. The kind of weather you want to go swimming or yeah, something. Yeah, so really. like, and when, if you're not going to go there for the beach, there isn't really a whole lot to do. Like there's, you know, shops and bars and stuff like that. But if you're not into that, the main thing is the beach. So that 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 is probably why he kind of kept to himself during the, those few days and just hung out. It's like the off season. Yeah. On May 30th, 2019, Theo sent a photo of a beach in Byron Bay to his cousin Emma. He told her that he had taken the photo during a walk that day. On the 31st, he attended a barbecue at the hostel. It was an unusually cold night in Byron Bay. I've seen that mentioned a few times that it was a cold night that night. Yeah. At the barbecue, Theo met another Belgian named Antoine Van Latham. They started speaking and Theo told him how he was excited to go back home soon. Around 7.30 p.m., Theo and Antoine took a shuttle bus from the hostel into Byron into the Byron Bay town. They bought a two-liter cask of rosé. Theo can be seen on CCTV at 7.44 p.m. He's wearing a gray cap, black hoodie, tan pants, and black shoes. The two then returned to the hostel in an Uber. They got background a little bit after 8 p.m., and Theo paid the fare for the Uber. He also sent a text to his cousin Emma around this time telling her that he was going out and that he might be a little slow to respond to texts later. Um, Theo and Antoine went back to uh, went to the back terrace of the hostel and they interacted with some of the other guests. We don't really know how much Theo drank of the wine, but we're assuming some. <laughs> the hostel also provided some free alcohol at that barbecue. The people who spoke with Theo that night said they didn't remember him drinking a lot or being overly affected by alcohol or anything. No one remembers him being obviously drunk. At some point after 9 p.m., the group decided to go to a bar in town called Cheeky Monkeys. Love that name. <laughs> um, the bar has since closed and been bought out by a developer, but it was infamous in Byron as being loose. I heard I was reading comments on Reddit. I heard it was like a place where there was a lot of fights. And yeah. it was crazy, a lot of table dancing. I feel like it would have been like cheap drinks, a lot of travelers who are just there for a massive night. Just yeah. acting wild. Theo can be seen on CCTV outside of the bar at 9.35 p.m. He was wearing the same clothes as seen in the earlier footage. He does look slightly unsteady on his feet at one point as they wait to go into the bar. But the group later said that nobody really recalls him being unsteady or seeming especially drunk. Bank records showed that Theo bought two schooners. 
schooners. Yeah, that's like a pint. I don't know what you guys call them. Like you have ounces. We just say schooner is like the beer size. <laughs> just be like a pint, or you could just say you could just say two beers. Yeah, I might leave it in. It's kind of silly. <laughs> <laughs> he bought two schooners of Carlton draft beer. One at 9.51 p.m. and one at 10.14 p.m. Um, there's footage of him dancing on tables at around 10.45 p.m. and he went to the bathroom at around 10.55 p.m. And I saw people talking on Reddit being like, you know, if someone's dancing on tables, you automatically think they're like wasted and crazy. But like we mentioned before, I think this is something that was very encouraged there. Yeah. Like they had just tables out for dancing, dancing. on. And like like yeah. it was a thing. Like there's one review I read and it said, yeah, a lot of beer, dancing on tables and people getting drunk. So this isn't like just Theo made up his mind to do that. Being this like, is what, what, crazy. what happened there. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think there's literally tables on the dance floor <laughs> is what I heard. Seems dangerous. But. <laughs> um, as Theo started to head back to the dance area, a guard stopped him and asked him to step outside. The guard told Theo that he suspected he was intoxicated. He was asked to leave the bar and not come back. Theo appeared cooperative with the guard, and this info comes from the Coronial Inquest documents. It said, Mr. Mackey, the security guard on duty that night, who made the decision to remove Theo, confirmed that Theo was compliant, quiet, and showing no signs of aggression. He also could not recall anything about Theo's behavior or demeanor, which indicated that he was, in fact, intoxicated. However, he said that Theo seemed like he was losing his coordination and balance because he was swaying a little bit and formed the view that he was approaching intoxication should be removed, which is very weird if this is such a rowdy, crazy, reckless place. (laughs) I feel like this happens a lot. I don't know if it's in Australia or if it's just in my state, but like here, most bars have an RSA person. RSA stands for Responsible Service of Alcohol. So most bars are quite happy to serve you a lot of drinks until they've decided that you had enough and then they tell you to get out. Because that basically, if you are there and you're drunk, you're breaking their Responsible Service of Alcohol guidelines so i don't know if you can hold your alcohol you're fine to stay but as soon as you look a bit drunk a lot of places will kick you out i have no doubt that cheeky monkeys was probably quite heavily policed by local police and rsa people um you know yeah so they've been they, just like a time where they were being watched more or something and basically as soon as you're out of the premises you're not their problem anymore so even if you've had 20 beers in there as soon as you're outside that's it that's not anything to do with them so i feel like they just watch and as soon as there's someone who could cause a bit of trouble or who could get them in trouble they just kick them out yeah it's just like around here it's hit or miss like i've been to places where people are absolutely wasted and it's fine they don't get kicked out but i also noticed i thought this when that we did the like missing men and smiley face episodes i i don't know like what the alternative would be but i think it's so crazy that bars and I know it's normal. Bars just like kick you out into the street and they're like, bye, get they out. Have, they actually have no duty of care. Like you would think yeah. if someone is that wasted who, you know, like obviously this isn't Theo. Like from the sounds of it, he wasn't that drunk. But in other cases where like someone falls over or sways or whatever, you think that they would have responsibility to at least put them in an Uber and give the, like, do you know what I mean? Like they must, they're, I don't know, I guess where, where does the line of babysitting, like they're an adult, they should be responsible for themselves, but you've let them get to that state. What's also like just morals and ethics of like yeah. you're just gonna let this person wander around until they is, fall yeah. into a river and die yeah or whatever else happens it's not their job but also i think it would help some people out who just maybe were just being a little crazy for a night so the 
Last known CCTV footage of Theo is from 11.03 p.m. He was seen walking in the direction of Kingsley Street, and he's looking down at his phone, and he almost walks into a pole but avoided it. So you could argue there, was he drunk? Was he just looking at his phone? When you're watching the footage, he's like literally a second away from walking into the pole, and somehow he just misses it. I guess he kind of saw it then in his vision quickly and moved out of the way. But, yeah, he's just looking down, looks like he's texting or whatever on his phone. And yeah. Like the whole clip, oh, my God, there's a pole, and he just misses it. <laughs> so there's no confirmed sightings of Theo after this point. The next details about his possible movements come from his digital data trail, and Google has said that it's accurate to within three meters or 10 feet. So we've talked about this before. If you have Google Maps and stuff on your phone, it is crazy what they know. It could be unsettling depending who you are. For me, it kind of gives me a feeling of security. Of like, if something happens to me, people will find out, be able to, but maybe not because Theo's still missing. But it did give them a, a much better picture of where he was that night. Yeah. So after Theo left the bar, he searched on his phone for directions back to the hostel. It would have been a thirty-minute walk, around three kilometers or two miles from the bar. For some reason, though, Theo did not follow the directions, and he went in almost the opposite direction into a residential a residential area, Kingsley Street. He then turned into Tennyson Street and walked to some cricket nets in the park there. He stopped there from 11.14 p.m. to 11.21. And that's kind of like a, a point in the story that people bring up because they're what like, what was he was doing, he there, doing for that, there? For almost 10 minutes, just hanging there. Yeah. Just to give you kind of an idea of the situation. So if you look, I'll put the map on the blog, but if you're looking at a map of Byron Bay, Cheeky Monkeys is kind of in the middle of where his hostel is. His, his hostel would be to the left, but instead he starts heading to the right. So Cheeky Monkeys is the center point, hostel to the left. He starts heading kind of to the right, the absolute opposite direction to where he needed to go. So and the hostel's that house on the map? Yeah, yeah. And also um, Cheeky Monkeys, like we always talk about the water, Cheeky Monkeys is basically as far from the water in Byron Bay that you can get. Like it's not like it was waterfront. I've been there. It's kind of down this back road. There's like a Woolworths. It's like there's – it's at the back of the town. So Is that where the, the blue is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the first point is where he started on the map is the blue point. So it's not like he could have just wandered out and accidentally fallen straight into the water. To actually get to the water was a fair hike. But he got Theo. there. He did. He did. He. But there was like, do you know what I mean? There was actually. It wasn't like down the road. It was a, no. It's a not long like he just walk. crossed the road and accidentally fell in. He, he made an effort to get to the water. Yeah. But in walking that way, Theo comes across cricket nets, which are considered to be in the dodgy part of town, located near a youth activity centre and the mini tent city of Byron's homeless community. Instead of walking past the nets onto the beach, as might be expected, Theo stops for nearly seven minutes. During his time at the nets, he doesn't use his phone. What he does is anyone's guess, but this is the spot where it seems Theo's plans drastically change. Gary believes Theo met someone here who convinced him to head in the opposite direction to his hostel. What happens? Something happens here. Well, I keep coming back to he's he's met someone. And I, I look at all the reasons why he might spend seven minutes here and I, I can't for the life of me think other than he's speaking to someone. Who? Who could it be? Someone that he's felt comfortable with. Like, you wouldn't stand in this environment if you didn't feel comfortable. You'd bypass the person. 
After those seven minutes, we noticed that his walk became like he started walking again, but in a decisive walk, um, quite fast, but without running, crossing the field to the opposite direction from his hostel, towards uh, Talos Beach. Tallo Beach is about five kilometres from home. What Theo was thinking is impossible to know, for the journey he takes to get there is baffling. He doesn't put Tallo Beach into Google Maps, and yet he takes the least obvious route to head there. Theo could have likely heard the ocean from here, but the path to the beach is not clearly visible, especially at night. So Theo then used Google Maps at this time and zoomed in and out of the area that he was in, but he didn't search for any particular directions, like he was just looking at the map. His family believes that he likely met someone at the cricket nets around this time. There's no evidence of this, but that's their theory as to what happened next. So he left the cricket area and walked through dark residential streets to a bush track called the Milne Track. This led to Tallow Beach through a Rockwall National Park. He followed the Milne Trail for a while before he went onto a fire trail and into dense bush. If anyone's not familiar with the area, I really encourage you to either go on the blog or do a Google search because this area is so bushy. Like there's a kind of a hill in Byron Bay that goes up to the lighthouse and this is kind of near that area. It's very, very thick bush. It's very windy roads around there. Like it's it's not, like if you got there, you'd be like, shit, where am I? Like there's nothing there. There's thick, 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 like you guys would call it the woods. It's It would be scary at night. I can't even, it could be eerie. There'd be no one around. It's Go and check out. Yeah. The, if you're not familiar with the area, definitely check it out just to get a sense of what where the, he was and what he was doing. Yeah, I saw people saying online that like unless you knew the area and like knew where you were going, it's not a place that you would kind of just wander to on your yeah. own. So Theo used his camera at 11:30 and used Google Maps a number of times. A number of times, he came out of the bush onto Tallow Beach at about 11:48 p.m. And his family find it unlikely that he would have been able to find this route on his own, which is why they think maybe he met someone at, the, him there. at the cricket area who was like, hey, like, follow me. Let's go this way. And he was like, OK. Um, he walked at a brisk pace to the northern end near Cape Byron Cliffs, known as Cozy Corner. It's interesting People. too, sorry, I keep interrupting, but when, when no, it says sorry. a brisk pace, but because even with his Google data, they're like, he was running at this point. That's he what I was going to say walking slowly at this point. Like it's so insane the amount of data they can actually get just from your from you having your phone on you. Yeah. So it, the people are like, why was he like running? Mm. At 11.56, he left the beach and walked up a steep incline to Lighthouse Road before returning to the beach. Theo used Google Maps again around this time and it isn't i don't know if we talk about it later i remember but it's like a famous lighthouse that people like to yeah. see around there it's like probably the main landmark in byron bay like during the day a lot of people exercise by walking up this massive hill to the lighthouse it's beautiful but it is like on a really high cliff like hundreds of meters high i don't know it's it's like it's not like just a little lighthouse kind of on the edge of the ocean it's up a really really high mountain cliff type thing yeah um, at 12.20 a.m., Theo sent a message to a friend on Facebook Messenger. It was continuing a conversation about a U2 concert in September. The recipient, Lou, said that there was nothing strange or unusual about the message. 
Um, so that shows some people are like, well, maybe it wasn't him. Maybe someone took his phone, but he seemed to be conversing with as people usual. as he normally would. I also saw that his talks with someone, they were speaking in French, which he spoke. So <laughs> there was a few like little random nuances that he used to use in his text. And the people who he conversed with that night have said that basically it was all the same. Like, you know, sometimes yeah. like, I could tell the text wasn't from that person. Mm-hmm. It's not the case. They just said, like, yeah, it all just seemed like I was talking to Theo. Yeah. At 12.23, Theo watched YouTube and he watched a clip from a Belgian TV show called Burger Quiz. (laughs) At 12.50, Theo searched for directions to the hostel again. At 12.55 and 12.56, he sent some WhatsApp messages to friends. These friends later said the messages seemed normal and that the slang that was used seemed like it was coming from Theo. So his phone stopped transmitting data at 1.02 a.m., and it reconnected to the network at 6.17 a.m., but there's no activity. So it seems like for some reason overnight it stopped transmitting data. I don't know if it was like put into sleep mode or if he put in battery saver or we don't know. But for some reason it just stopped sending data. At 1.02 a.m., Theo was calmly sending what would be his final text message via WhatsApp to fellow backpacker and friend Loic Spice. Loic recalls their conversation as a relaxed chat about the surf in Byron Bay. What does it tell you about his state of mind when he He wasn't was... in any kind of distress. He wasn't in any kind of um, weird situation. From what I can see in the text, I think there was nothing um, weird about the text. Yeah, nothing out of the ordinary in my opinion. The last GPS data shows Theo sitting on this rock on the beach just after 1am. Something that haunts those who love him. His Australian-based godfather, JP, and wife, Julia. Roughly towards that big rock there where the the GPS location was turned off. That tells you that Theo, or at least his phone, was here. Yeah. But then, maddeningly, nothing. From here, Theo vanishes. We ask ourselves, you know, would he have gone up there? You know, did he meet people here? We we just we have no answers. And the biggest question of all, what happened next? Yeah. During that time, Theo's friends sent messages to him um, two different times, and neither of these were delivered, so they didn't actually, like, make it to his phone. The last GPS data from Theo's phone was at 12.05 p.m. on June 1st, 2019 around 12 hours after he entered the bush. At 1.47 on June 1st, his phone disconnected from the network for good. So it seems like it was going like on and off or maybe the battery was dying. Like my phone goes into like a battery saver mode where it turns everything off. I wondered too if he was in an area that was kind of so remote, it was only being picked up sporadically. Oh yeah, maybe. Could be. And then eventually it died at 1.47 p.m. maybe. So as you mentioned earlier, Theo was in constant contact with his family and his mother became pretty concerned very quickly after she didn't hear from him. She could see that he hadn't been on Facebook after 1st of June. I guess they kind of thought that maybe he was, you know, just off doing his own thing though. And But when he failed to arrive in Melbourne as planned on June 6th, his family filed missing persons report. But then five days went by without word. Vassian alerted JP, who initially thought Theo might be out of phone range. So Vassian contacted me um, with a a little message saying 
Oh, I haven't heard from Theo from a little while. Uh, do you have any news from him? Um, nothing too alarmed. Uh, just, do you have any news? But JP knew something was terribly wrong on discovering Theo hadn't checked out of his hostel and had failed to make the bus he'd booked to leave Byron. He had a booking to go to Sydney from Byron Bay and that he didn't show up to that booking. So that was the critical moment where we say, hang on, that's not normal. When you heard that news, uh, what was your level of worry then? Uh, là, j'ai vraiment uh, senti que... I really felt that... Uh, que ma vie basculait. My life would change forever. You knew then? Yes. The staff at the hostel also filed a missing persons report on June 6th. They had been trying to contact Theo since June the 3rd when he didn't check out his plan because he'd paid up till the 3rd of June. So I guess they had no reason to even consider anything until then. Yeah. They finally searched his belongings on June 6th and found his passport. And that's when they kind of became very concerned for his welfare. So Theo had been missing for over five days before he was actually reported missing. The investigation that police conducted was one of the largest ever to happen in the region. Um, according to the coronial inquest documents, police obtained and analysed mobile phone and internet data. They viewed CCTV footage from Byron Bay. They conducted land and sea searches. They canvassed the community, local businesses, hostels and hospitals for any information. They interviewed backpackers and past guests from the hostel. They also reviewed and investigated Crime Stoppers reports from the public. They liaised with Belgian authorities and they organised social media and media campaigns. Police requested info from Telstra, who is Australia's major phone car uh, carrier, on 7th of June, so just after the missing persons report was filed. Theo's mother managed to get into his Hotmail account on that day using a password of his that she knew, and then she was able to get into Theo's Facebook account that day. She didn't open any messages, though. She didn't want to interfere with the investigation. When family met with police on 8th of June, they said that they basically had access to all these accounts, but police didn't believe that they, as in the police, were lawfully entitled to access them. So they didn't really want to get involved with that at that stage, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah. The police tried to find a way to get Theo's Google data, but they were unsuccessful. The Australian police seem to have been unaware that Google has a 24-7 emergency disclosure request known as an EDR that they could have used. The Belgian police did know about the EDR though and they submitted one on the 9th of June. They inadvertently provided Theo's Gmail account as they believed it was linked to his Google but that error wasn't discovered until the 19th of June when it was found that he actually had his Hotmail link to his Google account. On June 9, Telstra provided a general area in which Theo's phone would have been when it was transmitting data. So I'll put the map on the blog, but basically it's kind of a triangulated point and it's like he would have been in this area for his phone to be sending data. It's right near the lighthouse that we spoke about earlier, near those cliffs, near kind of the bush in that area. The actual physical search for Theo started nine days after he went missing. Obviously, by that point, if he was by some miracle still alive, he would have been in desperate need of medical attention. They focused mainly on secluded bush areas and they used drones. By June 20, they started using Godiva dogs in the area. 
and they wrapped up the search for Theo by the end of June 2019 because I guess, you know, there's obviously no way he could have survived that long. They have to put a stop to it at some point. On July 7th, 2019, volunteers were out searching for Theo in the National Park. They found his cap, his hat, upside down on the ground. They first confirmed with his family that the hat belonged to Theo and it was later confirmed by DNA testing. The cap was found in an area that had apparently already been searched by police. So I guess the two kind of theories about that is that they did a shitty search and they missed it or that it was put there after. In August 2019, so two months after he went missing, police conducted experiments with Theo's phones similar to Theo's phone. Theo had an Oppo phone. Do you guys have Oppo there? Um, I don't know. That Oppo means. is like a cheaper brand of phone. I think it's still, a, well, it's obviously still a smartphone if you'll get on Google and stuff like that, but it's not an iPhone. It's not an Android. It's like an Oppo is there. We have a, my, what's it called? No, like a, a track phone. That's a thing, right? Like a, sh- like a shitty cell phone you just buy at Walmart. I'm just that's what it's called, right? Never mind. I thought of it while I was asking you. <laughs> I um think you can buy Oppo phones at Aldi here. So Aldi, you guys have Aldi, I think, which is like a low cost supermarket. Like it would have been just a cheap yeah. phone that he would have gotten. Yeah, they're like track phones that you could get at Walmart. People are always like drug dealers get them because they're they're harder to trace and stuff. It would have been prepaid as well. Like, um, yeah, yeah, because he obviously knew he wasn't going to be staying in the country forever, and he wouldn't have been able to get a phone contract. So they started to replicate the data that they got from his phone on the night they vanished. They and that they used that to kind of retrace his steps. They even abseiled off cliffs to see what data they could get by doing that. So like, you know, where does the phone ping if we're going down this cliff and that, that type of They thing. seem to do a lot of creative things yeah. searching for him trying to figure this out. It's funny because they did a pretty shitty investigation in some ways, but then they went out of the way in a lot of other ways Yeah, too. they made like those little dumb mistakes of not knowing certain things. Yeah. But then and I guess it, like cool uh, stuff like this. I'm obviously not caping for them because they did mess it up. But then even things like it would be hard to like the cross country things. Like how can we access his data when he's from another country? Um, generally, yeah. things like that. Mm-hmm. In September 2020, so the year after he went missing, Belgian police used geofencing as an investigation tool. This is basically where they pull Google data to determine which Android phones were in a specific area. This process is not available in Australia for missing persons cases that are not criminals. So this, that was kind of a tool they had that Australian police weren't able to use. Belgian authorities informed Australian police that no Android phones were detected within 100 to 150 metres of the locations where Theo had been. Geofencing is absolutely not foolproof, though. It's apparently unknown, or it was at the time when they wrote this article, whether it can detect all phones or just phones detected to, connected to Google. It's also not known if it can capture iPhones. There's a ton of information about geofencing and the phone data in Theo's case in the coronial documents. I'll link them on the blog. I feel like the coronial documents are about 100 pages. If you're not familiar with what a coronial inquest is, we've spoken about it in the past, but basically it's a government um, directive here, like a government process that happens, and it can happen in missing persons cases to determine if the person is deceased. Um, So they go through all the data to make kind of a specify a, a assumed finding of what they believe happened to the person in the case of a missing person they also investigate like accidents deaths in jails deaths in hospitals basically to see what can be changed to prevent similar deaths from happening 
So in October 2021, police conducted another search for Theo's phone. They used metal detectors and again searched the cliffs. They did find an old Nokia phone, but not Theo's Oppo. In February 2022, the New South Wales government and police announced a reward of $500,000 for any information that led to the recovery of Theo or, you know, his whereabouts and discloses any of the circumstances in his disappearance. So in October 2022, the New South Wales coroner determined that Theo was deceased. The coronial process does usually take a very long time. This obviously was years. This is I'll just read directly from the coronial findings. It says, the identity of the deceased, the person who died was Theo Hayes. The date of death, it says, while I'm unable to determine the exact date of death, I find that Theo is likely have to have died on or shortly after 1st of June 2019. I feel that Theo is likely to have died in Byron Bay, New South Wales. I am unable to determine the cause of Theo's death and I am unable to determine the manner of Theo's death. This happens a lot in missing persons cases and I just wonder what is really the point? Like we all know that he's probably, (laughs) like I can't even imagine the amount of money they spent on this inquest. I guess for his family it might be closure, but then what closure do you get from them saying, I don't know? When like here we can declare people Mm. deceased likely, but we don't have a whole inquest about it. I feel like it's like a Commonwealth British thing is why they do it. It's interesting. Like sometimes it seems like a waste, but sometimes you find out a lot of interesting information. And there is like, as I said, there is actually a ton of information in the documents. I, which I know it's bad, but I enjoy reading the coronial documents because I do find them interesting. They go into a lot usually about the person's life, about the circumstances leading up to either their death or them being missing. Like it's an interesting process. Um, Yeah, I like learning This is one of the things I like about true crime is just learning how investigators and police and whoever put together all these pieces like the Google data and all that to kind of make a fuller picture of what happened that night and just the ways that they can do that, like getting the Google data or whatever other ways they do it in different cases. I just think the investigating and forensics that they do is interesting. So Theo's case went pretty quiet. Like there was the coronial inquest. It was kind of popped up now and then in the news. But on May 6, 2023, so just last month, a human bone was found in the ocean off Belongel Beach. So if you remember the hostel was at Belongel Beach, that whole kind of stretch of beach is Belongel Beach essentially, like leads to Belongel Beach. Scuba diver Jason Baker had been taking two diving students out to a shipwreck when he saw the bone poking out of the sand. There's actually a photo of him holding this bone. It says, in the first 10 minutes, I noticed about 10 centimetres of what I thought was bone. He said, I was quite shocked. You get an uneasy feeling. It's not something that you expect. It didn't look like it should be there. He goes, I really had a strong sense it was human. And as I moved more sand away, it got bigger and bigger. He took the bone to police and they forensically determined that it is a human bone. So at that point, I was like, wow, surely this has to be Theo. You know, I had a look. There are some other people missing in the area. Um... There's Ellen Wilson who went missing in 2015, but her vehicle is also missing. She went missing from Ballina, which is around 30 minutes away. Bronwyn Winfield went missing from Lennox Head in 1993, but it's believed that she was murdered. Lennox Head is around 25 minutes from where the bone was found. There are four people missing from Mullumbimby, which is around 20 minutes away. Their names are Malcolm Briggs. He went missing in 1975. Rodney Clement Bradridge went missing in 1997. Margaret Ryan went missing in 1986. And Jeffrey Neville went missing in 1993. So I thought, okay, this surely is probably going to be Theo. You know, the location is right. It seems like it possibly would be. 
But recently, Chief Inspector Kehoe gave an update on the bone and it appears that maybe it doesn't belong to Theo. He said, from the initial forensic examination, it does appear that the bone has only been in the water for a short time, either been weeks or at most a couple of months. There was a Colombian national who went missing in the Byron Bay surf in March 2023. I believe they drowned while swimming. They tried to find the man at the time and they weren't able to. Um, the chief inspector said it could be weeks before they receive results from the forensic tests. He said it's not quite what we see on TV. It does take time. It's difficult for family because they are obviously keen to find out any results. So essentially it has now been weeks. We're probably at five weeks, I think, since the bone's been found. Um, no doubt before this episode comes out there will be an update. But I feel like it's probably not him. No. I, I was really – I actually thought, okay, this might be it. This might be it until I realised that there was this other guy missing in the surf from March. Um, yeah, and just that they said that didn't seem like it was in there that long. The only the only thing I think is maybe he wasn't in the water the whole time. Like maybe he, but then they searched the cliffs. Like maybe my thinking was he was like in a cave or something, and he like just just now got washed out. But I feel like it's probably unlikely that it is Theo now. Yeah. Um. So in terms of theories about Theo's case, one is that Theo took his own life. I feel like that's probably unlikely, um, not, not for any real reason. Like, uh, you know, I just feel like he was looking forward to I going home. I just don't home. feel it in my heart. No, I just feel like it was – that's probably the least unlikely thing. Um, Theo had an accident while trying to navigate away from the cliffs. I personally believe this is probably what happened to Theo. Um, I do believe that maybe he did meet someone at the cricket nets. There may have been some drugs involved and that's why like, you know, he was just kind of hanging out, chilling out, watching YouTube and then decided he wanted to try and get home and he couldn't and he fell and died. Um, Mm -hmm. The other kind of theory is that Theo came across someone nefarious and lost his life. This is one that is very popular amongst people who follow the case. There's a really high-profile Australian detective named Gary Jubelin who's probably best known for his work on the William Tyrrell disappearance. He believes that the seven minutes that Theo was at the cricket nets is very important. He said, I keep coming back to the reasons why he would spend seven minutes there and I can't for the life of me think other than he's speaking to someone else. And Theo's family also believes this may be the case. They said, a key question we are seeking to address is whether he was with someone on the night of May 31st, 2019, which we strongly believe to be the case considering the circumstances. Walking into the bushland and climbing up the grassy side of the Cape Byron Cliff alone is something we believe Theo would never have done unless he was with someone at the time. So, like, I do believe that could have happened. Maybe he met someone who gave him drugs or he went with someone to get drugs. Um, I'm not obviously implying that he was a drug user, but, you know, maybe out just for a party, out for, you know, fun. I've seen people said online, like, he definitely wasn't a drug user, but also, like you said, this is like a big kind of area for that or he could have been drugged at the bar yeah, or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, that's also true, yeah. Just don't want to make it seem like we're insinuating like he does drugs, but it's known to happen in that area. When you like were you in that big Reddit thread about Theo, there's a lot of comments about – I'll read some of them. I, I picked out two because I thought they were quite interesting. One said, getting kicked out of Cheeky Monkeys is nothing unusual. I remember being denied entry countless times, once because I appeared very drunk, which I was, (laughs) once because (laughs) I was wearing the wrong shoes. And then it goes on 
which brings us to beach parties. They're a perfect alternative to cheekies. And if you were on, you, you could find something. You could find MDMA, ketamine, also obscure designer drugs. One of the t- tobacco stores used to sell this alternative cannabis called Moonlight. It looked like weed, but it was much more, much more potent. At one point, had me hallucinating. It became illegal a few weeks after I bought it, but I can imagine that it's still for sale kind of on the black market. And then he, the person goes on to say, at the beach, most people were under the influence of something, so no one was really looking out for each other. On top of that, it could get really dark out there. Looking back, someone could have easily entered the water and drowned without anyone noticing. Especially if the other people were also like backpackers, not from the area. There's probably just people, you saw people coming and going a lot. And then the people left the area and probably never even thought about Theo again if they saw him that night. Probably didn't even know his name or what he looked like, really. The area he was in is literally a cliff. Like if you took one, if you were on the edge of this cliff and you took one extra step, you could easily go over. It's not like it was just kind of a flat area and you'd be like, well, how could he have fallen? There's many places he absolutely could have gone over if he wasn't familiar with the area. Yeah. Um, This is the last comment I kind of thought was interesting. The person said, I believe he bought MDMA at Cheeky Monkeys. Either it was a bad pill or he wasn't used to it. He had a bad trip, wandered off into the bush and got lost. Maybe he saw the lighthouse and started heading towards that. He's still having a bad trip, wound up falling off the rocks into the ocean and getting swept out to sea, Um, which I think... Even if the drugs aren't involved, I do think that he likely did get swept out to sea for whatever reason. Yeah, I'm like torn between basically the same thing you said. Maybe he met someone, there's like a beach party type thing like we were just saying, and that's how he went down that like sketchy wooded bush path that people were like, you wouldn't just find this path and go down it on your own. And then I think probably some sort of just accident happened, like a misadventure, slipped and fell type thing. Or like he followed someone over there, then was kind of just like exploring, doing his own thing, like chilling out, looking around at the scenes. That's why he was still like on his phone messaging, talking to people, watching some videos. Like he wasn't really in a rush to get back to the hostel. He was just enjoying his time outside in the area and then maybe slipped and fell somehow or whatever. I don't think there was necessarily like foul play in the sense it was like a murder because what would be the point i know there's people who just murder to murder but i feel like that's more rare one theory is that he kind of came across like a drug deal or something but then it doesn't really make sense to me seems like this area doesn't care and like what if he came across a drug deal why do they let him go and watch youtube and text his friends on his phone and stuff like that like like, yeah, I agree. I just think even if it was a drug deal, it would have been a minor drug deal, like someone exchanging a few yeah, pills. And, and now you're going to murder someone now? Yeah. Um, there is, There are like a few other kind of more outlandish theories that we haven't touched upon. There was a homeless encampment in the area at the time and kind of a, a notorious homeless man who lived there. People have questioned if he was involved. I don't think so. Like, again, what would the motivation be? Mm-hmm. And he's like there all the time that people knew him so yeah and like there's even photos of this guy smiling like you can see his camp in the background um it's like why would he just now decide to murder this random kid who doesn't seem to be like a threatening douchey asshole or anything from what we've heard and i guess the last theory that we didn't really touch on is that theo left and started a new life i really really don't think that's the case that's less likely than suicide yeah i feel like he did die that night or soon after um i am interested about his phone like if his phone was still submitting up until you know lunchtime ish that following day that implies that the phone probably wasn't in the water at that time yeah or some 
I don't know. Wait, what phone did he have? Did he the have Oppo. the weird phone? I was going to say, it's probably not like waterproof. Well, like I figure it would be waterproof, but surely not for 12 hours in the water maybe. Or however, like, you know, I'm just Some of them go by, yeah, time. I don't know. Especially in 2019. Some go by like depth and pressure. Yeah. But maybe if it fell to like the side or he fell off like a cliff, maybe it landed on like a rock or something and then eventually got washed away. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I know like there are people who – are never found or it takes like I know it has been now years and years but I know that there are people who they know were washed away and are never found but it is unusual that no trace is ever found and a lot of people talk about the hat a lot you know it seems insignificant people are like why wouldn't he pick up his hat like why was the hat just on the ground what happened that the hat fell off and he didn't pick it back up it's like well could he have been drunk could he have done drugs like you said could it he have just not and i know like sometimes even like at night people put the hat in like their back pocket like they kind of fold it a little bit so it fits like you know it it could even be something like that or maybe maybe like just took it off for a little and and you know what maybe it was dark and he could he's like oh fuck it don't worry about it i'll just can't be bothered to find it and then yeah either someone found it and moved it or it was moved you know for whatever reason yeah Um, yeah personally i think it was Probably, I don't know what happened exactly on his travel from the bar to his end point, but I do think it was probably like a accident, misadventure situation. I do find it interesting that he was watching the burger quiz and, you know, watching YouTube and all that. Like, that kind of indicates to me he was just happy, chilling out. Like, yeah, I think it was just like hanging out enjoying being outside so maybe he i don't know like was and i like i don't want people to come and say how dare you he wasn't on drugs we don't know but maybe he was on drugs and he was just happy chilling out and felt good and was happy in the moment and whatever else but even if the other side even if he wasn't if he was just drunk like even when i'm not drunk yeah i was saying this in the bonus episode i don't get to go like outside a ton i'm sure it seems like he gets to go outside but sometimes you just enjoy being outside like you'll just walk around hang out get some fresh air maybe he just didn't want to go back to the hostel and yet. maybe you know maybe, maybe he was the hostel just was like a little beach. rowdy and yeah. the, you know and even though i know it was dark you can still hear the ocean it would have been fresh air like it wouldn't have been unpleasant it would have been because it seemed like he also kept checking back on google maps to like see how far the hostel was to see which way to go but it wasn't giving it's hard to tell from just the google data but it didn't seem like he was like frantically lost trying to get back like it seemed like he was hanging out looking at stuff on his phone messaging people and i was like all right like let me see how to get back and yeah. be like okay i'll go this way then maybe he was like oh like let me just like go over here and explore you think that even if he was messaging these people about like the u2 concert he'd be like shit i'm lost i don't know where I yeah get back. that's what i mean but like, there was no red flags googling, raised or anything like that um like googling something like uh, what to do when you're lost yeah. or googling other things, but it didn't seem like he did any of that. I'm assuming they'd have that data if they have that he watched a video on YouTube. Yeah, and that he was walking at a brisk pace and running and all that stuff. So, yeah. <sighs> anyway, I feel sad. I know his family, like they've got a website for Theo that they keep updated. Um, I just can't even imagine the extra layer of how hard it would be to do this when you are in another country. Like even just the costs, like the mm-hmm. travel costs, you know, getting back and forth to try and search. No, Even just not horrific. knowing the area well, because yeah. at least if it's an area you know, you could kind of think of what could have happened or different scenarios. But when it's like an area you don't even know, you don't even really know where to start. Yeah. And I do, that reminds me, I do think, even though the police made some dumb mistakes in the beginning that kind of 
delayed the search and stuff, I honestly don't think it would have mattered. I feel like he probably died that night. Well, and I also feel because there was that massive delay in anyone actually kind of reporting him missing because they didn't know. Maybe if they got their shit together, they would have found his body at least or something. Yeah. Which would give the family more closure and be amazing. But I don't think it would have like saved his life, sadly. As far as I can tell, the $500,000 reward is still standing. Um, but I guess if no one knows, like oh, may- maybe someone does know, but you know, if, if it was an accident and no one saw it, it's not really going to be an incentive, is it? Yeah, especially like I was saying, if it's just random backpackers, random people, just meeting other random people that you meet for a little bit one random night, like who's to say those people would even recognize him or really yeah. know who he is? And when I, I think I have asked a while ago when we first decided to do an interview, uh, an episode on Theo, what people thought, and I feel like most people either think, I, th- I don't think anyone thinks he's alive, essentially. No. Oh, there's that one other thing. About the directions. That, yeah, one girl, I guess, who was kind of like walking a similar path that he was walking, also was using Google Maps, and she actually said that her Google Maps tried to like send her that weird, obscure way through the bush. So I don't maybe could have been following Google Maps and it sent him that way. And he was like, what the heck? But he was also running around a lot. So I still feel like he was probably following someone or with someone at that point. Yeah, I I, I do. Because if Google Maps sent me into like some thick ass fucking woods, I'd be like, I'm not going in there if I didn't know the path. And I, I do think, too, that those minutes at the cricket net, I'd love to know more about was he on his phone? Was he talking to someone? What was he doing there waiting for seven minutes? Even if they find him, I don't think there'll be many answers. No, well, point, I don't. Sadly. I think at this point it would be a bone or, you know, a few bones. They wouldn't have much else to go on. Yeah, I feel like he probably fell into the ocean. Imagine what's in the ocean if it was Dre Endeavor. And he- <laughs> Even when you think about this guy who died in March and all of the if, – if that is him, all they've found the is one bone, bone. One bone. It's crazy. Mm. Are there a lot of sharks around there? Oh, there would be heaps of sharks. Wow. Like, and we get great there, whites. There's been so many shark stories lately. Yeah, we get great whites. Like, where I live, we get great whites. I'm on the same coast. Um, yeah, so there would be – like, every type of shark would be there. <laughs> yeah, so that's not great yeah. either. Did you see that video that just came out about that? Russian yeah and they found found his remains in the shark yeah and they have it on video is that the one where the white they were snorkeling or something I think it was in Egypt or somewhere and yeah a Russian guy in Egypt and they have like the attack on camera I hate the ocean I love the beach but I hate the ocean yeah I hate the deep dark ocean I'll go in up to like my belly button at the most and I used to go in like really deep people are like shut the fuck up <laughs> but I used to go in really deep like when I didn't have fear when I was younger and wasn't a true crime psychopath or always on the internet but now I get so nervous I feel like I've told this story before but once in Fiji we went snorkeling and I was like snorkeling this is when I was younger too like I was probably I don't know 18 or something and like we we're snorkeling on this kind of shallowish reef I was like oh this is pleasant enough there's no sharks I can see and then all of a sudden like swam five feet and there was like a cliff in the ocean into like this yes deep that's so scary abyss. i'm like what the fuck is this <laughs> it's like i have i have this fear of like deep open water like that but for some reason i torture myself and i follow 
subreddits that are just about deep open mm. water and like being scared of deep open water because I just like to be like, oh my god, that's so scary. I watched a video with this kids with the kids the other day, and it was like, this is how deep the ocean actually is, and it kept like going down, and it's like, this is how tall the Eiffel Tower is. This is how tall, you know. Yeah, I've I'm seen like, that, oh my. and it's like miles and miles and miles and miles deep. It's crazy. So scary. Maybe we could do more bonus episodes of just us talking about <laughs> random <obvious>. fears and <laughs> the, how deep the ocean is. <laughs> um, uh, I don't even know why we're carrying on. We've been recording for so long. <laughs> well, those are the theories. That's what we think. Um, hopefully something will turn up one day. I'm so disappointed. I really thought that this might be it for Theo's family. Like, obviously, it seemed like it could have been. Obviously, it's, I guess good for the other family to have some closure as well but I really felt wow this has got to be Theo surely and then it's not probably yeah it must suck for them because I'm sure they got their hopes up as well Mm. all right well that's that there will be a a blog on this case if you want to see the little map and all that that we were looking at on truecrimesocietyblog.com you can follow us on Instagram where we'll post little updates if there ever is an update or they find more bones in that area we'll post about it on instagram at true crime society if you want to follow us mine is steph some underscore and olivia's is tcs olivia if you want to check out our accounts do all the usual things share the podcast leave us a review follow us on spotify on spotify you can answer little questions like what do you think of this episode and you should be like fascinating amazing groundbreaking (laughs) definitely Um, not too much chat (laughs) yeah all the nice things share with your friends um i don't know i'm like brain dead now i'm still thinking about the ocean (laughs) but that is it everyone we are back to our regular routine so thank you guys for listening you're all amazing stay safe out there